and they're not going to know what we talk about. <laughs> so this is actually a really great reminder of one of the best things you can do on Sunday afternoon. If you have kids that um, go off into children's ministry, you can ask them about what they did and what they learned, and you can share not only with them, but talk amongst yourselves about what happened at this point in the service. It's a great thing to talk about over lunch, as long as it's not roast pastor, <laughs> which actually would be okay too, actually. As long as you're talking about what we're, what we're talking about, I'm happy. Speaking of that, I would invite you um, now to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 130. Psalm 130 is the, the lectionary passage for this Sunday. So as we've talked about throughout Lent, this is the psalm that is being read all over the world this morning. On this Sunday, in the uh, I think this begins the fifth week of Lent, fourth week of Lent, fifth week. And uh, Psalm 130 is the psalm for, for this Sunday. So um, if you have friends or neighbors who are going to church in Lutheran churches, Methodist churches, maybe some Presbyterian churches, Catholic churches, Episcopalian churches, they're reading this psalm today as well. So listen for the word of God. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we pray today that you would carry your word to the farthest corners of our lives and hearts. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will bring a new word to us today. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to illumine our minds and to illumine this word that we could understand, that we could learn something new, that we can be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. And we pray it through Christ. Amen. So this is a season of prayer, the season of Lent. In fact, this weekend, we uh, I mentioned earlier, we, we had what I, I think probably is in the range of like our 25th prayer vigil. We haven't been counting, but I know that they've, they've been happening about once every year since the year 1999 or 2000. And then we have prayer vigils as well uh, for different mission trips. So, um, and I'm grateful for the, the way that Mountain View has sought to be 
a community of faith that is committed to prayer and that we just don't stop. We keep doing that. And for those who help us do that, like Janine and the prayer team. This, this time of year, as we anticipate Holy Week and, and Good Friday coming up soon and Easter, we're aware that there are disciples all over the world spend more time in prayer this time of year. It's a season of prayer. Now, you may know prayer comes in different forms. One of the classic ways of expressing this truth is using an acronym. You know what the acronym is? Anybody? Different kinds of prayer, the way that we come to God in prayer. Acts, yeah, it's something that maybe you've, you've learned a long time ago in Sunday school. Uh, Acts, each one of the letters represents a different way we approach God in prayer. A, adoration, basically telling God that we love him. C, confession, confessing our sin, admitting to God that without, without God we're sunk. <laughs> T, thanksgiving which is actually a good way to follow confession, receiving God's grace, don't you think? To say thank you, Lord, for that. And then S, a word that actually appears in this, in this psalm today, supplication. The word supplication is, uh, basically means to ask, to ask God to act, to request intercession, which is uh, simply put, praying for someone else. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. If you pause to pray at any time to kind of go through that process in your mind is a good way to make sure you're kind of covering the basis of prayer. It's a good way to remember how. But that last type of prayer, supplication, is what we have before us this morning on Psalm 130. And this most basic form of, of this prayer is actually simply one word. Supplication. What is the one word that is supplication? What do you think? It's very basic. It's the name, a title of one of the Beatles' best songs. Help! Yes! Help, God! And this is actually how the message translation by Eugene Peterson has verse 1. Help, God! However, my imagination is stirred more by the opening of this, this psalm in the version that I read this morning, the New Revised Standard Version. The opening words are this, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Out of the depths. I believe the depths here represent water. Being under the water. And I begin to imagine crying out for help from underwater, which is problematic at best. The Psalms are ancient Hebrew literature. And in the Hebrew way of thinking, there are a few things more terrifying than being underwater. The Jews were not a seagoing people. They were not especially fond of being out on the water or being in water. They actually pictured 
they saw the sea as a place of chaos and unbridled evil. In Jewish literature, that's often what the water represents. The sea represents that. And this is portrayed well in the, in the Old Testament scriptures. Everything from Genesis chapter 1 and the pre-creation chaos over the face of the deep to the flood during Noah's time to the parting of the Red Sea which could have wiped out Israel but God parted the water so that they did not die under the water to Jonah being thrown into the water and going into the great fish and all of that suggests the terror of being under the water. Being underwater is serious business. And the stuff of drama in the Old Testament, it was bad news to be underwater. So to say, out of the depths I cry, is to say, I am in deep, deep trouble. I mean, think about it from a practical perspective. You, you cannot actually effectively cry for help when you are underwater. Even if you had enough oxygen in your lungs to yell, the sound would not carry above the surface of the water. No one would hear you if you cry out underwater. And I think that's kind of the point. Because in that time in your life when you are in it so deep that no one can hear you, there's only one who will. So verse 2 certainly makes sense in this light. Do you still have it open in front of you? Even when you're in a place, especially when you're in a place of desperation, God can hear you. God is listening. He calls to us, he calls us in this psalm to come to him because he's listening. This is the first thing for us to learn here, I think, today. God calls us to ask because he's listening. He listens especially for cries coming out of the depths. We think our voices get weaker but to God, he hears us louder when we're underwater. Perhaps you've uh, seen the old movie from the 90s, The Hunt for Red October. It portrays the way submarine sonar technicians spent their days listening for sounds. We actually have a former submarine sonar technician in our midst this morning, with Tom, so I gotta be careful I'm, I get my facts right here, but... Um, but these technicians can hear sounds from long distance, depending on how loud the sound is, the frequency of it, and um, how much ambient noise there is in the area. How am I doing? Pretty good? Yeah, right? I read up a little bit. But the, the degree to which te these technicians go to hear those sounds and to analyze them is amazing. Just to hear the smallest ping or noise. They, they, they're intensely, intensely listening and examining every sound. This is how I imagine God scanning the depths for the desperate cries of his children. 
listening with that level of intensity. If you cry, even from the deepest place of trouble, God will hear you. So there's the first thing I want us to really be aware of today. If you're under it, if you're discouraged, if you're having trouble, if you feel like you're underwater and you're drowning, whether it's in sorrow or in depression, when you cry out, God hears you. Be assured of that fact. So here's the second thing. It's a question, actually. Does God attend with this kind of listening only to those who are in trouble or distress brought about by conditions out of their control? I mean, in other words, does God turn a deaf ear to me when I've messed up? When I've caused my own problems? I believe this psalm actually provides the surprising answer to this question in verses 3 and 4. If you have them open, look at the words of verses 3 and 4. What is the psalm writer talking about here? What is the psalm writer saying? This is a certain kind of prayer suddenly. What is it? Lord, if you would mark my iniquities, who could stand? Who is it that prays about their iniquities? What are they doing? They're confessing sin, right? The one praying here is in need of God's grace, God's forgiveness. Why? Well, because basically he or she fell into the water as a result of carelessness or foolishness or self-centeredness or just simply sin. They're under the water because they caused the problem themselves. You see what this means? We're being encouraged to ask God for help even concerning problems that we've caused. Now, this is pretty amazing. I don't know about you, but this kind of runs counter to my natural way of thinking. If I cause a problem, I am less likely to ask for help. In fact, I've been known to be resistant to help. You can just ask my family or maybe the church staff. If I break something or if I ruin something, I'm pretty likely not to ask for help. There is this this little angel ornament that was on Pastor Dan's uh, table in his office. And I was sitting there. Um, it was actually a gift from my wife to, to Pastor Dan. He had it displayed on his table, this angel. And I was sitting there talking to him, and I was playing with it and kind of bending it and doing different things, and I snapped the hand off the angel. Snapped it right in half. And, you know, I, this is not good form to when there's a decoration in someone's office to just, you know, break it. <laughs> and Dan asks, um, oh, here, I'll, I'll take that. I'll fix it. No, no, no. I will fix it. <laughs> I will fix this thing that I have broken. I was very, 
very much wanted to. So I took it into my office and I applied um, the technique that I thought was going to work, Elmer's glue. <laughs> Apparently that's not a thing. I, I thought it was. I thought Elmer's was good for that kind of thing. And so I put it together with Elmer's and I put it back in his um, in his office. A, a week later, he came in with it in two pieces again and said, I thought you were going to fix this. I did fix it. He says, well, apparently not. So we, apparently it takes super glue to fix an angel. But, uh, <laughs> but I was so unwilling to let him fix that angel because I had ruined it. I have a feeling I'm not the only one who acts like this at times. when we're the ones who mess up, when, when I'm the one who does something that I'm resistant to help. The question is, do we do this with God? Assuming he's too busy to bother with problems we've caused, or perhaps maybe there's a pride issue involved too proud to admit we failed in some way when we're needing outside help. Make no mistake about it, folks. The psalmist believed otherwise. And this is one of the reasons I believe this prayer made it into the Hebrew Psalter and into our Bible. God is so forgiving and full of grace and mercy. He doesn't keep record of wrongdoing. So even if you find yourself embarrassed to ask God for help when you've messed up, do it anyway. Ask for help. Calling out for God's help is always the right thing to do. So, one more thing this morning. Verse 5 of this psalm begins a theme that is such an important thing to learn about prayer. Perhaps you've heard the saying, God answers prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, and wait. <laughs> Waiting is sometimes portrayed as being undesirable, as if God were busy or because his clock runs slower than ours. You hear people say that God's timing is not our timing. I've often seen the answer wait as the least desirable of the answers. But notice verse 6. There is this strange repeated phrase. Do you see it? More than those who wait for the morning. More than those who wait for the morning. If you've been around me very long with, uh, and heard any biblical teaching, you know that I'm especially attuned when something is repeated in a passage. It's like, for me, it's like it's bolded and underlined. That phrase, more than those who wait for the morning, is something the psalmist wanted to make sure that we got that. The morning. Waiting for the morning. What does that represent? If not, new beginning and hope 
a brighter future. And here's the point. Yes, you may end up waiting even a long time. The word is repeated five times here. As if to say waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. But this is more than just pointless, endless, hopeless waiting, like being stuck in a Seattle traffic jam or on terminal hold waiting for tech support. <laughs> it's not that kind of waiting. Rather, waiting for, for the psalmist, waiting here is a signal. It's a reminder that the morning is coming, that God has something new, something better in store. The sun will come up. It's going to be a new day with new possibilities, with promise and hope. So maybe the answer to what you've been asking of God is yes. Great. It's wonderful to get a yes when you're asking God for something. Maybe the answer you're getting is no. Okay. Well, you can move on from that point. But if it's wait then it could mean that God is at work on something for you that will be well worth the wait. If you get to wait, you're especially blessed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Oh God, as we come now to this table, we are grateful that you have taught us to remember you in, these, in this sacrament. We are grateful for the reminder this morning of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ that you have identified with us in every way. And that in our human existence that we are especially susceptible to discouragement, that we have times when we feel like we are underwater. Father, we give ourselves to you today and we ask that you would meet us here. We thank you, God, that you hear our prayers of confession today. We confess before you, Lord, that we have been self-centered, that we have been disobedient, that we have lacked the faith to trust in you, Father, we confess that there are things that we have left undone or things that we have just overtly done that have hurt others or hurt ourselves. 
So in this moment of prayer, God, we, we ask you for your forgiveness. We confess our deep need for you and for the forgiveness that you offer us in Jesus Christ. And we are grateful, Lord, to be able to affirm together that in him we are forgiven. I pray that as we receive this meal today, this, this bread and this cup, that each person in this room who feels the, the discouragement or the sting of uh, what this life sometimes brings to us, that you will bring relief, that you will bring hope. Lord, we bring before you our requests today. We hear such sad news out of Colombia. Lord, we pray for the people who live in and around Mokoa, those who have lost loved ones, those, Lord, who are alone suddenly, especially the children or the elderly, we pray, God, that you would strengthen the relief and recovery workers to be able to get into where they need to, to care for those who are hurting. Father, we, we pray today for those in our church who are uh, mourning and grieving. We pray for Diane today. And for, and for Martha, having lost family members. We continue to pray, Lord, for all those who are, are sick, who are needing a healing touch from you. Today, Lord, we pray especially for Cindy, who's had a tough weekend. Father, we pray for our daughter church, Tidelands, today. We pray that you would continue to strengthen them and to grow them in your, in your grace. For those, Lord, who are out of town because of spring break and traveling, we pray that you would keep them safe. We continue to pray, Father, for our, um, our ministry among those who are homeless and hurting in our own community. We continue to pray, Lord, for our mission and missionaries around the world. Father, we pray for the upcoming trip to the DR, that you would allow this team to have everything they need and uh, that you would help them with all the details of preparing, including the fundraising. And now, Father, as we come to this time of communion, we are grateful that that you have provided this way for us to be drawn into your presence. Lord, we don't understand how the mystery of the Eucharist works exactly, but we are just amazed at what you have done for us in Jesus Christ, that we are redeemed in the process of being saved. Lord, we pray um, that your Holy Spirit would lift all of us who share in this feast into the presence of Christ, that you would make the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup a, part a particip participation in the body and the blood of Christ, because we affirm that Christ is spiritually present in these elements. 
We pray, God, that you would make us one with the risen Christ and with all God's people to unite us in communion with all the faithful in heaven and on earth, to nourish us with the body of Christ so that we may mature into his fullness. Lord, strengthen us and keep us faithful that we may engage in mission and ministry representing Christ in the world in an anticipation of that day and the fulfillment of the kingdom that Christ proclaimed. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as you are in our midst this morning. Amen.